On this week's episode of Define Beauty, we're switching to ASMR. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> crickets. crickets in the backyard. Um. <laughs> Hello, I am Dee Dee. Hey, I'm Kimber Janes. Thank you so much for tuning in to our second week of Define Beauty. Yeah, we had an awesome week last week um, announcing our very first episode just our little pilot of Didi and I and thank you for all the great feedback we have a really great guest we'll get to you in a minute I will preface right now that I had a cold when we recorded this so I do sound like an old man but I think you sounded a little sexy too it had a good vibe to it I think we can all agree I think it was past the sexy point I liked it I like it when people lose their voice personally I usually do Deeds before we get into introducing this week's guest I want to know through all of your Instagram scrollings, what have you saved this week? That is such a good question because I feel like there is a pyramid of Instagram engagement. At the very bottom level, it's like scrolling through, glancing. Right. Next level is you take it in. Sometimes I take things in and I don't like them. Next level is liking it. Next level is commenting on it. And then above that, sending it to a friend. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, saving is probably the top of the Instagram engagement pyramid. Saving is the pinnacle because that's your inspiration, I feel like. Exactly. It's like, I need to look at this again later. So with those high expectations, <laughs> here, what have you saved? <laughs> here's a peek into my saves. Um, so I have some Borboletta inspiration. You'll have to stay tuned for that. You'll see it on the page. I have some cute jeans. I always save style inspo. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. I saved Chrissy Teigen and John Legend just got matching tattoos. No. They're of so what? cute. Chrissy's, they're so beautiful. Yeah, so Chrissy says John Luna Miles. John says Chrissy Luna Miles, and they're just in a pretty script. Chrissy Teigen's definitely in the queue as a girl crush. She's so cool. She's one of those girls who's so authentic that's why everyone loves her because she's funny and real totally i have a lob saved from Haley bieber oh i'm into the lob it's like nice and long like past your shoulders that's what i need to do i'm gonna get a fresh cut for my hair i would love seeing Dee in a lob Ooh. so cute <laughs> thank you and then i got these cute tarot cards oh i have so many tarot cards that i want the last one i'll mention is I saved this post from Violette. She's a French makeup artist, and she's now the Estee Lauder Global Beauty Director. Ooh, I follow her because of you. Yeah, so she does these really cute makeup tutorials, and she has an adorable French accent. Play it. Brown, I'm going to use a smaller brush, and I'm just going to apply it in the corner of my eye and on the outside. Like I, don't have- I wish I had a French accent. This is the thing with accents is... To you, it's never going to be an accent. Right. One more thing I'll say about Violette is I love her feed because she posts a lot of mood inspo. Lots of times, moods don't get a lot of engagement, but for some people, they're still important and engaging. I would be disappointed if she didn't post these mood pictures. She used to be really curated and she would post like color schemes I feel like that's so inspiring. Like, that's why I initially started an Instagram. Her feed is a destination. 
I love that. Okay, so that's kind of a glance at my recent saves. What about you? So some of my recent saves, I love Jen Atkins. Speaking of girl crushes, she's my ultimate girl crush. I save just about every one of Jen Atkins' posts. She recently did um, a post shouting out that her company, The Way, officially hit 800K, marking as one of the top followed hair care brands on Instagram. And I think that that's really cool. Um, It brings me back to Borboletta last May when we hit 100K. I think it was last April. Was it? It was like a year ago this week. Oh my, that's amazing. So... Um, I just remember the day that we hit 100K at Borboletta. It was a huge thing. We were the first lash extension brand to hit 100K, and it was a really monumental event for us. And um, so I did save that from Jen Atkins. And then I also have been saving just a lot of same deeds, like inspo posts, um, things that we can do for Borboletta. And then one thing that really struck me, you'll probably hear me say this a few times, but I love Summer Fridays, the brand they launched about a year ago. They're a face mask. They they started the jet lag mask. The two founders of the company are really inspiring and I love their marketing campaigns. They just do really cool backdrops at in like Melrose. IG moments. Yeah, they're they're totally about the IG moment. Both of the founders were influencers, right? Marianne Hewitt was definitely an influencer and then um, her partner in it, I think she's become an up-and-coming influencer because of the brand, but okay. she was in... I want to say she did radio or video before she was oh, into cool. Summer Fridays. But they obviously both get how important social media is because of their backgrounds totally they've completely utilized social media to grow their brand but their products their products are really great um and i i can really respect that from an influencer it's not just like hey i'm an influencer and everyone will buy my product they really put research and development (laughs) into their product and i think it's really cool and then i've been saving a ton of fashion moments because I'm not in maternity clothes right now. <laughs> Breaking free. <laughs> I feel like I'm really getting She's back, back into it. <laughs> so You looked so good when you were pregnant though. You'd always come in and everyone would be like, I don't even look that good when I'm not pregnant. <laughs> I tried extra hard when I was pregnant because I was pregnant. Um, but thank you. The, the moments on fashion that I'm saving a ton are pantsuits. I'm really Always? into a good pantsuit. This account called Woo NYC, W-O-O-W-N-Y-C. I'm really into it. They do just a bunch of like fashion moments and they have this white pantsuit on here. Um, and I'm really digging T-Swift's pantsuit. Let me see. Here you go. Give me a gander. Cute, right? I love that like... Deep V. Yes. Only the suit jacket. Only. Sexy, but in a professional way. And also standing up straight, which I need to work on. (laughs) As I'm slouching, same. Same. (laughs) We have an event coming up this week for our insiders. Shameless plug. So... Shameless plug, SP. So I may or may not be debuting in a white pantsuit. I could not wear a white pantsuit because without fail... By lunchtime, I would have spilled coffee or a snack on it. (laughs) Well, I usually do, but I just like Photoshop those out. (laughs) And then in person, I'm like apologizing for the stain on me. (laughs) That's so funny. You guys, share with us what is in your saved Instagram this week. We'd love to see. Kim, do you want to tell us a little bit about our guest? 
Yes, so we have Megan Monahan um, as a guest this week. She is an incredible businesswoman. Her podcast story is going to have you laughing, crying, and feeling inspired by the end. Um, Megan is a close friend of mine, but she's also a educator here at Borboletta. She's a phenomenal salon owner. She's gritty. She's smart. Um, she gets things done. And there's not one thing that will stop Megan from getting what she wants. And I truly have been inspired with her over the years. Our um, relationship runs so deep. And I think you'll hear a lot about her story and background of Borboletta. And not just Borboletta, but um, just who Megan is as a person and um, and as what she's accomplished in, in life. And, and how that's kind of unfolded my life into her life. And She's someone that I keep near and dear to my heart, so I'm really excited to have her a part of this podcast. Yes, so without further ado, is that how you say it? Adieu? Adieu? Yeah, I think without so. Without further ado. I was trying to make it a French word. <laughs> adieu. <laughs> hello, hello. Hi. Hi, Maymay. I Welcome. promised everyone here that I would not use any potty language. I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> and if I do, there's a jar that I have to put money in. I'm going to be on my best behavior, everyone. Hundreds. Mm-hmm. We're start, starting it at hundreds. So we have a question for you. We ask all of our guests, what are your current loves? Must have beauty product, girl crush, and guilty pleasure. All right. My beauty product is something that I found at Target. Mm. And it is called Sexy Mother Pucker. It is the best lip plumper on the market. I'm honestly, I would stamp my approval on it. I do love a good lip plumper. Is that what you had on today? Yes. It is beautiful. Thank you. It's $11 at Target. Mm -hmm. Um, They have several different colors and I always have three or four on hand. I will give everyone a little heads up. It does feel like your lips are running off of your body. It does. I don't know what's in it. Some sort of snake venom. But um, if sold. you're into it, do it. Done. Uh, my girl crush would be Blake Lively. She, I never watched any of her sh- Why don't you, what you was never her watched show, you guys? Gossip Girl? No. So I didn't know she was my girl crush until the other day on Netflix. Her movie came out with Anna Kendrick. Don't I even know the name. I saw that. She is so, not only is she so hot, but I love a good pantsuit and she wore pantsuits, right? Am I right? Wide leg pantsuits. She was so amazing in that movie because she was a bad ASS. So a simple favor, right? Mm -hmm. That's yes. yes, She's so funny on Instagram too. Do you follow her? No, I need to. I just fell in love with her. Um, So she would be my girl crush. And then my guilty pleasure um, I mean, are we being real? Or are we? Of course. Okay, always. So this is a circle of trust. My guilty pleasure is honestly injections. You know, <laughs> subtle injections. We're talking Botox. We're talking Juvederm. You know, I'm getting old. I'm almost forty, and so I think a little, a little needle here and there is my, you know, that's my guilty pleasure. Thanks for being honest. You yeah. look phenomenal, by the oh, way. Thanks. Megan's the first person I've ever met that ages backwards. <laughs> Honestly, when I very first met her, I thought she was 22. <laughs> I was, what, I you? was <laughs> probably 35 already or yeah. 34 or 35 so. with well, two kids. Do you remember kids. last year um, we told Kat you were turning 21 on your birthday and she believed us? Honestly, I'm so pumped about that. Yeah, I'm just going to keep going backwards. You know, we're never celebrating another birthday I'm from here on that. out. But 
I'm there for it. I support the movement. Megan looks amazing. So if you follow her on Instagram, you already know. But if you don't, check her out. She'll be your next girl crush too. So we want to talk to you a little bit today about growing your business because you have a really cool story. So do you want to kind of give us a little background on who you are and, and how you got started? Yeah, take us back to the very beginning. How were you even introduced into the beauty industry? Yes, good question. I graduated high school and I wanted to go to beauty school. And my mom said, no, I think you should go to school and, you know, get a degree. So I didn't even want to do that. So instead, I went to FIDM, which is the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. Most people know it from The Hills, if they watch <laughs> That's how that, I know it. Lauren Conrad. <laughs> I went there way before her. Um, oh, but geez. it was an amazing school, honestly. It's very expensive. But I learned a lot about marketing and business and my entrepreneur class, they asked us to develop a business. And at that time, I was barely 18. And I built a salon. That was my final project for that class. And it was so funny because I'm like, I just spent all this money at FIDM and apparently I want to open a salon one day. <laughs> and um, so fast forward, I, I worked at Nordstrom for years and then I got into makeup. And then I decided I really wanted to go to beauty school finally. Uh, and I was an adult at that point. So I'm like, you know what, mom? I'm doing it. So <laughs> I finally went to beauty school. I was 27. So I was at that time. I mean, I was still the oldest one there. I mean, everyone was so young. And I was like the mom, even though I wasn't a mom yet. And <laughs> cool mom, though. <laughs> I, went, I was the cool mom. I went to beauty school and I started doing hair. Um, I, lo I loved doing hair, but I also um, I had a hard time understanding clients needs and I was just a little defeated like I wanted to be a blonde expert but I wasn't there was just a lot going on in, in the hair world at that time where I was like I just don't know if this is for me can I quote you yes. on one of your famous Megan quotes Megan always says I was going to be the next Vidal Sassoon yeah 100% <laughs> I was gonna be Vidal Sassoon I don't even know if I'm saying it right and then I wasn't, and I was a little defeated, and I kind of got sick of brides, you know, doing hair and makeup for brides. They're such divas. Bridezillas. Bridezillas. And um, I had a baby. This is so random, but I felt disgusting after I had my, oh my baby, gosh. honestly. I was at my lowest as far Good as self-esteem. Kim's like, oh, oh, by the way, Kim's pregnant. Um, but I got my lashes done, and... It was an instant pick-me-up. I mean, I felt like I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm coming back to life after having this baby who's sucking the life out of me, you know? They kind of, they were awesome, but I also didn't necessarily love the shape of them. And at that time, I didn't know what that was. So I started asking my lash artist, like, what, what are you doing? Like, I didn't know what lengths were. I didn't know what curls were. Um, and she was, she didn't really know a lot either. And so... I looked for uh, a way to learn how to do this and I found this lash company and we all know, we kind of have the same story, right? As lash artists, we, we glued lashes to a paper plate and then we're expected to go <laughs> do it on a person, you know, like everyone says that. The but OGs and the lashing, OGs, yeah, oh, it's We so had true. those little pots with like the weird what lashes. What year was this? This was in like 2009, so it's not like it was that... I mean, 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years but ago, 2010, I mean, yeah. You're an OG for mm -hmm. sure then. And so then I eventually um, I 
I think I might have even popped out my second kid and I finally took a lash class. <laughs> so I took a lash class, um, or after I, t- I had taken that initial lash class, I started stalking anybody and everybody on Instagram, found Kimber Jane's and was like mesmerized by her. She was my OG girl crush back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started reaching out to people that all of a sudden were hashtagging this company, like Borboletta Beauty, Borboletta Beauty. I was saying it incorrectly. I think I called it Barboletta, like everyone else. <laughs> I think everyone does. said, I, I called it Borboleta. Yeah. We all <laughs> kind of said whatever we thought. Yeah. And I think I even thought, like, I had asked him one time what it meant. She said butterfly. And then I think I even told someone once, Kim Kim's husband calls her Borboletta because she's a pretty butterfly. I literally made that up. It was a rumor. I, I love Megan's one liner. Yeah, that's a good rumor, <laughs> though. Like, I know. No yes. harm. And so, anyways, I, I had finally I signed up for a class after calling the office, and at that point, it was just Kim and probably her sister in law working in her in her house, and we I signed up for a class in San Francisco, showed up, and honestly, this is so dramatic, but my life. Did a 180 after that. I learned how to do volume lashes in two days. Kim and Aaron Taylor taught me. Kim was wearing a Clinique lab coat and Mm -hmm. bought us probably like the biggest, messiest (laughs) sandwiches you've ever seen in your life from this deli in San Francisco. And And I hate messy sandwiches. To quote Kim, I actually have it in my phone. I said, Kim, what is your biggest fear? And she said, a messy sandwich. (laughs) And I thought that was ironic because here we are doing lashes and we're eating a sandwich that we couldn't fit our mouth around with red onions in it. And I'm like, how am I supposed to do this poor girl's lashes? Bell peppers, mayonnaise, aioli sauce. So it was was then that we stopped providing lunch for our students because it just got a little out of hand. But in all jokes aside, um, that's when I started doing lashes. I drove home. I remember driving over the Bay Bridge back to Sacramento and thinking, I am going to be the next Vidal Sassoon of lash extensions in my mind. I'm like, this is what I'm going to do for a living. And I did. So I, uh, that's kind of how I started. And Megan, I love what you've said in the past too. Um, just how the, the lash industry in general is that fit for people like you and like me that go to beauty school. And we had this dream to be in hair and it didn't work out for us, but we found our niche. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so cool when you talk about just like that was you all of a sudden. It's like that moment you drove across the bridge. I can just picture it probably tears in your eyes. And you're like, yes, but like, look where you are now. And it's so incredible. Well, I've heard you say that within a year of taking the course, you had opened your salon, right? Yeah, I took the course and I had worked at Nordstrom and I am a talker. I don't know if you guys have noticed that yet. And I love to sell. And I walked into Nordstrom and I went and found the Anastasia Brow Girl. Her name's Ashley. And I said, Ash, can I do your lashes for free forever? And she's like, yeah, duh. I'm like, okay, there's one, one little thing. You have to send me your clients. That's it. I will do your lashes for free forever. If you just send me your clients, because who doesn't want a Nordstrom client and who doesn't want someone that 
is already willing to go to Nordstrom and pay thirty-five dollars to get their brows waxed, right? So I just felt like that was the clientele I wanted to go after. So smart, yeah, it's brilliant. So I always tell people (laughs) in my class: find an Ashley, whether that's you know the bank teller that is beautiful and people are gonna stare at her lashes, or the hostess at your favorite restaurant, people at a dental hygienist office that look at people all day. Whoever you can get, walk into a plastic surgeon's office. Every woman that sits at that front desk is drop dead gorgeous and they are going to sell lash extensions for you. Um, those are the, those are some of the things that I would recommend, but that's what I did. And within two months, that girl had me booked solid. I was renting a room one day a week and by the end of the month, I was already full time at that salon because of the amount of referrals that she was sending me. And you guys, at that time I was doing classic lashes, 15s maybe 17 on each eye, you know what I mean? And I built my clientele by doing that. And then once I integrated volume from the Borboletta training, it was a no-brainer. No one else was at that time was doing volume, and it just, that was my niche. So I did not only have a niche in the beauty industry, but I had a niche at that time in the lash industry as well. So what would you recommend to artists now, though? How do you differentiate yourself now if you're in an area where volume isn't a niche anymore so volume especially because of who you know when I when I started doing lashes in Sacramento the Sacramento area there wasn't really that many people doing it now everybody does volume like you said honestly it is about personal connection and I cannot stress that enough I personally connect with every single person that I come in contact with whether it be a client or my kids teacher or the person at Starbucks I really just try to connect with people and that's really kept the loyalty there. I mean, I, I left my salon a couple years ago to, to come on with Borboletta and I just started back there, um, you know, a couple days a week and, and still travel with Borboletta and my clients are begging to come back. I haven't been there in two years. There's amazing lash artists around me, but I feel like it's the connection I made with them and it's genuine. I love every single one of them. Um, so yes, you can improve your skill and you have to be an amazing lash artist, especially now it's so competitive there. If you're not good, technically you, you're not going to keep your clients, but if you're not connecting, you're not going to keep your clients either. Was it you that said your clients come to you 20% for your skill, 80% for For you? Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And it's not necessarily about me and I don't talk about myself really, unless they ask me a question, but I genuinely want to know about them. I want to know why they're there. I want to know how they heard about me, but I want to know what I can do to help them come see me every two weeks for an hour and a half and leave there feeling amazing. And they just can't wait to come back because I, I want to know about them. I remember things about them. I, you know, remind them of things they told me about. They're like, oh gosh, I told you that. Jeez. Um, <laughs> but it's that connection. And, you know, even when I walk into my salon now, I know every single client in there, whether they're coming to me or not. I, I really try to get to know who they are. I listen to the other girls. I pitch in on conversations. I make it like kind of like my house. You know, it's like you're coming to my house. I might not be doing the service on you, but I'm going to get to know you. So tell us a little bit about just how did you go from renting a space and you're extremely busy to within, it was basically less than a year of taking a volume training, owning and operating Tandy Lash Lounge. Yeah. 
You know, it's kind of funny. At at the time that I was going through, like probably the worst time in my life personally, I was opening my salon. So, you know, if we're getting personal, I was going through so much. So I felt like I didn't have anything to lose, if that makes sense. I put it all out there. I am a real gritty girl. Like as you know, there's people that have brains, there's people that have beauty, but I have like real grit and you survival. Have yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> but I'm a survivor and I'm like, look, what's the worst thing that can happen? I can try to open this salon and it falls on its face and that's okay because at least I freaking tried, right? I had saved up like every dime I had I could at this point and I didn't have enough to open a salon. I remember the first time I walked into my salon, it was built in the 70s. It was disgusting. I don't I mean, it was so bad. There was green carpet. I started crying. I'm like, "How am I going to do this? I don't have enough money. I don't know what I'm going to do." And I thought, "You know what? I need a business partner. I need someone that has some experience in the salon industry." So, I I went to the salon owner that I was working for at that time. And I said, hey, do you, do you and your husband want to partner with me? And they were like, it was like a no-brainer for them because they had seen what I had done in such a more a short amount of time. Her husband would always say to me, who's my good friend now? I'm business partner. He's like, we have never had anyone rent a space from us in, for one day and turn around and pay us full-time rent in one month, ever. That's We've incredible. never seen that. Like, you're crazy. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> I would work 12 hours a day. I didn't care. But... Honestly, I think it just takes, you have to just let go of your fears and you have to be gritty and you have to go after what you want and you have to not care what people think. I remember like walking into that salon and, or that space and being like, if someone could see this now, they would be like, oh my gosh, Megan, how did you even pick that place? How did you have a vision? I didn't, (laughs) I just had a vision and I didn't care what it took for me to get to it. If I had to put the hardwood flooring in myself, I did it. Um, so you honestly did. Yes. I I did. (laughs) And I, I do always tell people this too. If they're they're like, I want to open a salon. I want to open a salon. I'm like, do you really? Um, it, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. There's not only money, but you're paying people to work for you. You have to keep them there. And depending on where you live, it's very expensive to run a business. So start small. That's like my biggest thing. I started in a, I have a thousand square foot space. Could I have gone bigger? Yes. But if every single girl walked out tomorrow, could I pay the rent? I would have to do that. So when you're building your salon, you have to make sure you're picking a place that you can afford. Because, you know, sometimes employees don't like you. And maybe they want to go work somewhere else. Can you cover the cost? Do you have the clientele to stay loyal and to help you build that business? So start small. And remember, you can put lipstick on a pig. Go to to an area that is maybe not an up and coming area or is an up and coming area. Don't go next to a Starbucks or an anthropology and pay a million dollars a square foot. Go find somewhere that people will come to you no matter what, because of your reputation. Yeah. That's, I love that. And how many artists did you start with when the first day you opened? So the first day we opened, I had Ashley, the brow girl. I'm so sorry, Nordstrom. I still owe them apology. I stole her from them. Um, I started with Ashley, who was doing brows. I started with a nail tech, and I started with two lash artists besides myself. And what was great is that our nail uh, nail services were done while you were getting your lashes done. So it's like two for one, um, which was kind of a niche at that time. People weren't doing that either. Now everyone's doing that, which I love. I think it's so cool, and it's great for women that don't have a lot of time in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, to do everything that they need to get done beauty wise. And 
you know, it's sad to say, but all of those people are gone except for one. I went through a lot of turnover in the beginning because I was a psychopath. And I'm just being honest. I was crazy. If I saw a lash on the ground, it was like a temper tantrum would come out because I had put everything I had into that salon. And I wasn't easy to work for. I thought I was going to be the easiest boss on the planet. But when money is on the line and your reputation and, and your name is out there on the front of that window, you lose it a little bit. And so I did go through a lot of turnover. I should probably apologize to them now, but I wasn't easy to work for. This is your chance. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, everybody. And, um, but there were the people also that started that understood that and, and were like, gosh, Megan, you've done so much for us. Like, look at, look at how much money I'm making now and look at the career I have and look at how much you've helped me in my own personal life. So there was, you know, there was a little bit of that too. Um, so now we have eight lash artists. We have wow. Ashley, our brow girl. Awesome. Um, we have two more girls that want to come on right now. So I've got, I've got girls to talk to. I mean, it's so exciting. I'm back there and then we have a receptionist and we have our um, nail genius. Her name's Michaela. So we're at capacity at this point. Um, so yeah, it's pretty exciting. And with all the Lash Studios going up around us, we've stayed true to who we are and um, we embrace the competition. I love it when new Lash artists start studios around me and the more educated Lash artists are out there, the more we can charge and the more our industry just grows and there's a million people that need lashes. So let's all just, you know, keep going together. When you first opened, I'm and I'm curious, throughout the progression of owning Tandy Lash Lounge, have there been things that have come up that you had no idea, like never would have dreamed of, never would have, never even would have crossed your mind you would deal with in business? Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, there's so much. There's, <laughs> I mean, from anywhere from like the location I picked, we had to have a bench that was out front moved because people were literally living on it. Um, we had, you know, yeah, that's unexpected. <laughs> We've, you know, so that was something that I didn't expect. Like, oh gosh, like I didn't know that there was going to be a man flashing us in the morning sometimes. Yeah, that <laughs> did happened. He? he did. Bless him. But we had the bench moved. So he lives down the street now. I see him every once in a while and we're like pals. He's like, I had my bench moved. I'm like, well, you were inappropriate. <laughs> um, so, you know, weird things like that. To, really like, love the Tandy crew. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there's. I would say the thing that I, I didn't expect was losing employees and taking it so personal because I put my heart and soul into people and I come across very strong and, you know, I, I am like the most loving person on the planet inside, but I don't necessarily put that out there. So I think for me, I learned a lot about myself. Like I need to be softer with people. Um, and I need to show people that side of me or I, I might lose them because, you know, maybe I'm a little too hard and to work for. So that was something I didn't expect. And um, just, I think losing clients too, whether it's just at the salon or just me personally was something that that's hard to deal with. I think for a lot of uh, people that provide a service, like all of a sudden you get ghosted by clients and you're like, what happened? Where did they go? Why did they leave? Maybe someone's charging a little bit less than you down the street and they can't afford you anymore. But I feel like that has been really hard. That was really hard for me to lose people and not know why. How did you find the right people to add to your team? 
And as you lost people, you obviously were learning a lot about yourself, but was there something that you learned about the people that you wanted to hire as well? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, it's crazy because personalities clash or they mesh. There's, there's really no other way to describe it. And in the beginning, I would bring on anyone and everyone that wanted to work there because I was just so honored that they wanted to work for me and at my salon. And then I realized that as I stepped away and started getting more involved with Borboletta and on the education side, I wasn't there to kind of like diffuse situations or necessarily like bridge personalities together. And so I started to have to really look at, you know, who should be in there and are they going to all get along? Because at the end of the day, they're with each other every single day for eight to 10 hours a day. So I started, you know, interviewing people and thinking about it and going, I, sh- I don't know if that would be a good fit with the rest of the team. So really looking at all of your team members and, and bringing on people that are going to mesh well together and also represent you and represent your brand. I mean, I really do pride myself on owning a salon that the client loves being in. You know, they come there and they're like, I love it here. And I'm like, well, what do you love about it? They're like, just the vibe. So really just having that vibe in there. I mean, when I go there, it's funny. I feel like there's a lot of clients that probably want to sleep. And I'm like, sorry if you wanted to sleep. I had to get head earplugs because there was other people's clients that are like, Megan, you're so loud. Like (laughs) my client's trying to sleep. So I've learned uh, to quiet down a little bit. That's me. I'm a Yeah, just keeping the the vibe in there and, and hiring people that are like-minded and that are going to get along is huge because you want them to be happy at work as well. Right. And so you are an educator for Borboletta, obviously you mentioned yes. that, but you do trainings in Sacramento a yeah. lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you train on behalf of Borboletta out there. Everybody knows you as the educator out there. Um, have you ever felt like you're training your competition? That is a really good question. Um, in the beginning, yes. I remember the first training I did in Sacramento. I was so nervous because I didn't want, well, one, I didn't want them to think that I was their competition. Um, but I was, I was educating people that were like, yeah, I'm opening a salon in Rockland or Roseville or Sacramento. And I'm like, oh no, I hope that we don't lose business because there's these other lash, lash artists coming in. And that's just me being honest. And then I realized after the first couple of trainings it was so awesome to train people to do amazing lash extensions because they were going to start having clients that love lashes and they're going to start telling their friends and their friends and their friends. And we all got busier. It was crazy. It was like the more amazing lash artists that started, the better my salon was doing. It was, it was weird. Once I kind of realized that training anyone to do lashes wasn't competition, I started reaching out to salon owners and saying, what products are you using? You should try this Borboletta lash cleanser. You should start retailing this. You'll see your retention is better. Um, I will have salon owners reach out all the time and say, Hey Megan, how much are you charging for rent? Do you have employees? Do you have this? Do you have that? And just sharing that information and knowledge that I didn't have. I feel like why not? Like there are no secrets with me. I want everyone to be successful and if I can share something with someone that's going to help them enhance their life, why not? It's not going to hurt me. That's so interesting. Yeah, it just makes sense that the more that people have beautiful eyelashes, the more people are going to want it. And yeah. So yeah, the demand will just grow. Mm-hmm. So obviously having a salon is not an easy job. So what would you recommend to somebody who believes that they're ready to open? 
a salon? Or how would you know that you're ready? I, you know, I don't think that you know. You'll ne- you'll never know. You just have to kind of like take the jump or, or not. But what you have to remember is that you will not have a life after you open a business. And, and that, I really mean that. Like your personal life is put to the side. Your relationships are challenged and put to the test. Your friendships sometimes end. Um, or you gain new friendships. Your sacrifice, not only personally but professionally, it's crazy how much you sacrifice. I lose sleep over the girls at my salon because all I want for them is to have a career. I want them to be successful. I want them to make money. I want them to be happy people. And I want to provide a space for them where they can have the life that they want. So those things, like keeping me up, those things keep me up at night. I think um, if you don't know how to manage people, you're going to have a really hard time. And I thought I knew how to manage people, and then I realized maybe I didn't. So there's a lot of life lessons that happen when opening a business. Um, There's a lot of lows. There are a lot of highs too, but you've got to be a real strong person and have an amazing team backing you up and have a supportive family and have supportive friends that are going to really rally behind you. Um, Because I did, I lost, it was weird. I lost friendships through opening a business and it wasn't because I opened the business. It was because... I was so busy in doing that that I I didn't pay attention to those relationships, but they also didn't really support what I was doing either. It was kind of weird. But yeah, all things considered, if you feel like you should do it, do it. And like I said in the beginning, what's the worst thing that could happen? I, I love how honest you are about that because owning a business is not for the faint of heart. Mm-mm. And we only put what we want to out there, meaning on social media, what we tell people, but you really have to be a gritty person and have to have people rally behind you, like you said, and support you in that because it does become your life. There, You can't halfway commit to owning a business. Um, and I mean, there's been times in this business, in, in Borboletta, that I haven't loved it. And, and that's okay, I think, to say. Have you ever uh, not been in love with Tandy Lash Lounge? Oh yeah. There's been days where I'm like, why did I do this? Like, what am I doing? Am I, am I cut out for this? Do, do people like Tandy Lash Lounge? Do people like me? Do the girls like working here? Did I pick the right flooring? Should I repaint? I mean like every single time I walk in there, I'm like, do I need a new couch? Like, do people like the couch in here? I don't know. Um, <laughs> people love the couch. I in there. <laughs> get, yeah. I get really stressed out. Um, And I think that that just shows that I'm passionate about it and that I care so deeply about it um, because it's my baby and it's what it's honestly gotten me through the worst of the worst. Like, yeah, sorry. Um, That business got me through cancer. It, It got me through a divorce. I mean, it has been my distraction but it has also been a way for me to have freedom in so many ways that I can't even explain to people um so yeah it's it's my life it it really is my life and I have put everything I have into it and I think if you do that no matter if you're just a lash artist in a studio one day a week or you are a full-time lash artist and you do hair and you do brows 
and you're kind of the jack of all trades or you're a salon owner, if you put it all in, you will be rewarded. Yeah, that's so amazing, Megan. And um, it's like I'm teary-eyed because <laughs> it's, it's really phenomenal to see what you've done. And um, I, I guess even going on a deeper level with that, have there been days or times, weeks, months where you've just said, maybe I'll quit? Never. I am not a quitter. I will say that I never once have said I'm going to quit. Have I said I need to change things up? Yes. Have I had to reinvent some parts about myself and reinvent the business? Yes. Um, Have I made transitions? Yes. But never once in my life with anything I've ever done, I've never said I'm going to quit. I just won't. I will not quit. I will not allow defeat to take over. Um, yeah, do I get down and do I do I kind of lose my momentum? For sure. But do I know at the end of the day I'm going to figure it out? Yes. So don't quit. And, you know, yeah, people are like, well, you did you stop doing hair? I'm like, well, I stopped doing hair. I didn't quit doing hair. I found something better. Right? <laughs> for me. For me. Yeah. So never, ever, ever quit. Just you got to keep going. I love that. Um, did you ever receive any advice that stuck with you and meant – able to help you get through all the tough times oh my gosh me and Kim I mean Kim owns Borboletta Beauty hello it's like Tandy Lash Lounge times a million but at the end of the day we both own a business so there's so many times where I'm like Kim what do I do here what would you do and you know she'll kind of do the same thing with me like run things by me where um, we kind of see perspective differently in a lot of ways but also we can relate in yeah. a lot of ways too. All the time. Um, and, I, and I reach out to other business owners too and I ask them for advice because you never know who you're going to learn a tip or a trick from. And, and one last question on that. What's some of the best advice you've ever been given? Is there, Everybody wants to give advice on something, but is, has there been something over the years, whether it, within the salon or through just being involved in the industry that you've just received advice that you always go back to? Yeah, you know what's so funny? I was actually painting this little hidden talent I have. I used to paint murals. Um, I didn't, I didn't know, know that. Yeah, during college. <laughs> during college, I needed like extra money. So I, I was actually originally going to go to art school. My mom's like, don't do that. And my mother, poor thing. She's like, honestly, my biggest <laughs> fan. I made her sound like she didn't want me to go to college and blah, blah, blah. But I, um, I, so I would paint murals on the side and I would get those clients from working at Nordstrom in the kids department. Like I just was a little hustler always, yeah, but I would hustle these news. clients that need, I'm like, yeah, you know, I paint kids murals and whatever. So I started painting murals and I was painting a mural in a house in San Diego and the family was so amazing. And they, they owned them. I learned by being there every single Friday for like two months because I could only go one day a week. Um, a lot about them and they lived within their means, but they were, they actually, I shouldn't say that they were loaded. They owned four mortgage companies in San Diego. They drove, the wife drove a Honda Accord and the husband had an old truck from like the nineties. Their house was beautiful, but it was a smaller one story. Um, and I remember one time I asked them like, so you guys own four huge like businesses and like you, I feel like you live like basically like everyone else. And they said to me, they're like, you, if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, live like you make 20. And to me, that really stuck with me. So when I opened my salon, I used 
only money that I had. I didn't finance anything. And there's not, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that or should do that. But I learned, I'm like, I'm not going to spend the money that I don't have to create this business and lose it all. So I would say live within your means. And when you can afford those extra things, do it. But just remember that you need something to fall back on. Awesome advice. Yeah, that's great. Megan, you know on the podcast, we ask everybody what their definition of beauty is. So um, obviously we know you cover all the bases. You are beautiful on the inside and the outside, and you truly are a hustler. But And you got the grit. Yeah. Beauty brains and grit. Girl got grit. <laughs> but tell us, what what is your definition of beauty? My gosh, this is like a Miss America question where I feel like I might vomit, you know? But <laughs> I think that obviously there isn't a definition. I think there's two forms of beauty. I think there's surface level beauty, so that's what's on the outside. And I think there's inner beauty, which is what we need to work on the most. Um, I think that, you know, people can say all day, oh, you're pretty, you're perfect, you're skinny. But beauty is all about a feeling. And if you look in the mirror and you feel proud of yourself, that's when you know, like, okay, I am a beautiful person. Um, I think for me, if you would have asked me about beauty and did I feel beautiful five years ago, I, there's no way I would have an answer. I was at my lowest. I had popped out two kids. I had gained a bunch of weight. Um, I had melanoma. So I, you know, I couldn't work out. There was a lot of things going on. And one day I woke up and I'm like, you know what? I don't feel beautiful on the inside or the outside. So I might as well start somewhere. So I started on the outside. I had a trainer. Um, I started have like really focusing on self care, which honestly we should never feel guilty about everyone, just so you know. Um, and I started kind of fixing some things on the outside and then I thought, okay, what can I do to fix the inside? So I started seeing a therapist and she told me straight up, Megan, you've been handed a pile of shit, but you're strong and adversity makes you stronger. And that just kind of like set something off in me. It was like, I felt so empowered by her doing that. And I started fixing all these things internally and it was hard. But as I started kind of feeling good on the inside, I felt more confident and I felt pretty and I felt beautiful. And I felt like I could then empower other people to feel pretty and beautiful. So for me, it's just, it's all about perception, but your own self-perception. Like I can, you know, have really pretty makeup and get Botox, but if I'm not good with myself on the inside, I'm not going to be beautiful on the outside. That's number one. And I think surrounding yourself with the right people too, that are going to make you feel beautiful no matter what. I mean, there's days where I look in the mirror and I'm like, ew, I hate this or I hate that. And you know, like my boyfriend or my best friend will be like, dude, you look so hot today. I'm like, really? And it's not because necessarily the way I look, it's because they care about you and that's how they really feel. So I think listening to other people, surrounding yourself with good people is going to help you feel and define your own beauty as well. Megan, it's been so fun having you here. And um, I'm super inspired by everything that we've talked about today. So thank Honestly, you. so inspiring. It's like every time I hear more about your life story, there's like more funny, interesting, and truly inspirational things like the wall today the, the murals. murals yeah I know I used I to paint cheetahs on people's walls I did grapes in a kitchen one time I want a cheetah wall I wonder if they still have those grapes it's so 90s but oh my God. it's probably on like awkward family photos exactly now. exactly <laughs> some great vibes butterfly butterfly mural here uh, Megan where can we find you on social 
So I am Megan, M-E-G-A-N, underscore Borboletta. And you can follow my salon as well. It's Tandy Lash Lounge, T is in Tom, A-N-D-Y, like candy, but Tandy. Tandy Lash Lounge. Um, and I'm pretty, pretty good. I try to be pretty good on both of those. Um, and I am just out there educating in cities all across the U.S., and I also am back living in California, so it's nice to be back at home, and I get to lash at Tandy Lash Lounge once in a while, and then I've also been doing something really cool. I've been a guest lash artist at um, some other salons, so that's been awesome, and um, just a good way to kind of get out of your environment and meet new salon owners. It's been great for me to see how other people run their business, so I can bring that back to my salon. Cool. I love that. Well, thank you, Megan. And thank you to everyone who listened. And thank you for defining beauty with us. And as always, if you like what you hear, remember to follow us on Instagram at definebeauty underscore borboletta and rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast and tell all your friends. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye.